And hello, everybody. Welcome into CITR 101.9. My name is Jake Bear, and alongside me is a large cast today. It's Jake McGrail, Corey Branson, Nico Roselli, Ryan Alfonso, and both Byron and Alan Wang of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the unseated grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, always keeping you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. This past weekend, you know, there were some highs and lows for sure, but there was a partial return from golf. We'll talk about that a bit later. Some unfortunate weather slowed the men's side. While rugby is building up to the World Cup versus Berkeley later this month through their Premier League play. Elsewhere, sports seasons are quickly coming to a close for basketball and hockey with just two weeks left apiece while volleyball has three weeks remaining. And basketball, you know, things are looking up. Jake was correct more or less you didn't jinx everyone (laughs) you didn't jinx everyone so congratulations but unfortunately your jinx may have rubbed off on the other two sports as volleyball and hockey i know you didn't call for how dare you try and blame me for other teams losing (laughs) when the ones i predicted winning were winning bad stuff happened and it's probably jake's fault is what you all need to know and (laughs) hockey and volleyball were the ones that did suffer due to jake's uh, preamble. <laughs> we even have some, uh, but because of that, we do have some insights from athletes in the captain of the men's team, Jordan Deshane, talking about how the men's volleyball team fell to a very, very powerful Trinity Western squad over the weekend. We'll hear that in just a bit. All right, and starting with volleyball, this past weekend was not so great for the Thunderbirds. On the women's side, they faced the Canada West leaders, the Trinity Western Spartans. Just after their bounce back from the previous weekend, the women's team suffered a setback with losses in both matches, only managing to take one set on the weekend. Game one, it was a 3-1 loss for UBC. Gabby Atea led the team with 12 kills, 3 aces, 2 blocks. Liv Furlan put up 31 assists, 12 digs, and 2 aces as she's settling into her role post-injury. And Laura Worsley had a career-high 22 digs, so congrats to her, but... Unfortunately, not enough. Uh, the Thunderbirds started out strong with a 5 to nothing run early into the first set. However, it was short-lived as the Spartans called a timeout, immediately coming back to retake the lead and eventually won the set 25-20. to 20. Yeah, for both sides, the team struggled to hit consistently with the T-Birds hitting just 131 and the Spartans barely edging them by hitting 143. Yeah, this one was super close to statistically across the board. Even though the scoreline was a little bit lopsided in kills, assists, and aces, the two teams were basically identical, while the Spartans did hold the advantage in blocks 10-6. to And then the second match for UBC didn't go much better. In fact, it kind of got worse as the team faced three straight set losses to the Spartans. Leading the team again was Atea. She had nine kills, a single ace, and five blocks. Meanwhile, Bryn Passam was the only other Thunderbird to actually eclipse more than three kills. She had eight on the night. And all three sets were decided by four points or less, including the second set, where the Thunderbirds were up 23-21 before giving up four straight points to Trinity Western. Similar to the first night, both teams were inefficient offensively, with the Thunderbirds hitting just just over 100. They were at the 101 Dalmatian mark. And the Spartans hit, thank you, thank you for the chuckle, I appreciate it. (laughs) And the Spartans hit 121. Aces were again even at 9, but it was UBC who actually ended up leading in blocks, but definitely not in the final match uh, set. Yeah, it, was, it was that type of weekend where you look 
just at the box score, not at the final score, and you think, oh, this was pretty close. And then yeah. you look at the final set counts, and it was 6-1 to one for Trinity Western. Right. You see it's so close, but not there at the same time. On the side of the Spartans, uh, Hillary Howe, one of the best players in new sports, led the way in kills both nights. They've also got some very other uh, good players, such as McKaylin Cinch, who leads U Sports in blocks, and Avery Heppel, who's third in the country in hitting percentage. And we were talking about why maybe the statistics look similar. I was We covered these weekend matches, uh, Jake and I, as well as Corey jumping in on Friday. But we were talking about a lot of the intangibles, their net presence up front, just not allowing the Thunderbirds to set a lot of plays that they usually go through. And this, the reception of attacks from Trinity Western is second to none across all of Canada. And the Thunderbirds are now 8-10, to 7th in Canada West, and just two games ahead of ninth place, uh, top eight making the playoffs. The good news is that they play 2-16 to 16 Regina this weekend, who the Thunderbirds are 17-1 to 1 against in the last six years. And moving on to the men's side, they too faced off against the Spartans this weekend, and they too unfortunately also lost both matches, ending their 12-match win streak. TWU now has a six-point lead atop the Canada West standings, while the T-Birds are a game back of Alberta, 14 for four for third. Yeah, the first match in this one, very, very close. It came down to the fifth set, with both teams alternating set victories until Trinity Western took it home with a 15-10 win in the, the final one. Three of the first four sets were decided by only two or three points, so it was close the whole way through. Yeah, Matt Neves had a great offensive performance for the Thunderbirds, 15 kills and a 429 hitting percentage. Not far behind him was Michael Dalhaniak, 10 kills, two aces, and three blocks of his own. Yeah, and though Corey mentioned the first four sets were really close, the fifth one bit rough for UBC. They did so well to force that fifth set, but then the Spartans raced out to a 14-7 to lead. Ben Hooker had back-to-back aces trying to start a comeback, but it was over at that point. I would kind of argue, though, that they actually didn't do a great job, and more that Trinity Western did a crappy job from the service line, which allowed them to stay in the game. That, that's a, that is a fair point. Yeah, those aces by Hooker were a bit of a rarity. The two teams combined for 16 aces and 54 service errors. The Spartans had 32, which helped UBC stay in it. To yeah. my point, right? Absolutely exactly. like, insane number. <laughs> I mean, that that many was the second most I think I've ever called in a single match. Corey, that was the night you were on the mic, right? Yeah. I mean, 54, I think the previous high I'd seen between two teams was about 57. and just felt like every time the Thunderbirds had something going, Trinity Western would pulverize them on offense, but then they go and make a service error and allow them to just kind of stick around. Yeah, some of the individual numbers as well. I think uh, Brody Hofer for the Spartans had... A double. Yeah, he had ten. Ten, ten service, service errors. <laughs> uh, and I was singing the praises of Jackson Howe all night. Not because he was ser- serving particularly well. He just didn't have an error, right. which was incredible. He actually <laughs> lacked uh, anything negative from the service column, which was yeah. impressive. But then game two was a worse outcome for the Thunderbirds. Those service errors got cut back slightly for the Spartans, and it showed in the set count. They lost 3-0 in a sweep. The rematch, like I said, wasn't close. Uh, UBC hit just 215 as a team. That was their lowest mark of the new year. On the other side, Trinity Western hit an unbelievable 510. They hit 688 in the first set, which they won 25. 688 as a team. As a team. That first set, unbelievable. Jake and I were there, and I just mean they did nothing wrong. It was the most perfect set of volleyball I've ever seen played. Also in the studio, uh, Chukadia, a future member and maybe someone getting on air, he was there working the game and he said the same thing. Just one of the most insane matches we've ever seen. And then the Thunderbirds hit zero in the first set. 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you got 688 versus a team that can barely pull their weight, making error, or at least uh, their hitting percentage is, you know, they're making a lot of attack errors. They're not being consistent. They're not getting kills. So that's what's going to happen. And then, once again, it was Matt Neves who led the Thunderbirds in kills. He had 10 on a 444, so individually he did well. Meanwhile, Colton Liu had 8 of his own, but no one else chipped in for more than 4 kills for UBC. And serving was once again horrific, as the Thunderbirds had just one ace and 21 service errors. That's nine aces and 43 service errors for just this weekend alone. Yeah, one of the many collections of yikes that we had <laughs> over this weekend <laughs> for the Thunderbirds. They were owned by the undoubtedly the best team in all of U Sports. Outside, hitter. I think that's my that's my opinion. I don't, I don't think yeah. that's a controversial opinion. No, no, I think the women's there's a bit. Dalhousie, I was looking in the U Sports standings, is like extremely good in their set count. Ratio between win and loss is similar to that of the Trinity Western women's team. And then MRU is also kind of up there. But men's side, I don't think anyone else is around that Trinity Western side. I mean, they just do everything right. Yeah. Uh, it's their outside hitter, Eric Lepke, who leads the country in hitting percentage. Jacob has been talking a lot about how crazy it is. I mean, it's usually a middle because they're going to have the more consistent approach, right? The ball's fed over to the middle, puts down a kill. Someone like Jordan Deshane for the Thunderbirds. But an outside, I mean, Lepke is springing in from the back row. He's fainting with his right hand and then tipping it over with his left. I mean, one of the most freak athletes I've ever seen play the game. Yeah, he is quite spectacular when you see him out on the court. Pierce Schenko on the team as well leads U Sports in blocks. And they have players in the top five in the country in both aces and assists as well. So I think that number one ranking in the country is well deserved. And Jacob, we were talking about this just outside of the booth, but aren't they all around six foot five or six foot six? Six foot five. Lepke is the technically shortest outside of the libero on the team, which is Colton Lowen. Um, yeah, Colt Lowen's like five eleven. But I mean, every you know player that can actually contribute with an overhead attack on the team is six five or taller, which definitely plays you know a significant role in how dominant they are at the net as well. Yeah, the men's team, the UBC team, now has a bye week before they take on UBC Okanagan, February 7th and 8th. And the Heat are absolutely dreadful, just about as bad as possible. They're 0-16 on the season. They're 5-48 and in set count. They've won five sets all season. It's been a tough year for the Heat. It's, it's t- you hate to see that. You hate to see it, especially <laughs> from the uh, sister school of the Thunderbirds. We're actually going to take a listen in now to Jordan DeShane, the captain of the Thunderbirds, you know, trying to figure out what went wrong for the Thunderbirds after their Saturday match, getting swept, and where what they can do going forward into the playoff picture. Um, so the first game like this weekend saw a little bit closer game, and uh, this, but this game is like, uh, actually different from the game last night. How do you think uh, uh, make the difference between the two nights? Um, I think it comes down to making plays at the end of the sets. Um, last night... I think the second set tonight was reminiscent of last night, and last night we were able to make some big plays down the stretch, uh, execute our game plan a little bit better, and I think that's what made the difference last night that was able, where we were able to push them into five sets. Thank you. And uh, Trinity Western is one of the top programs in the country right now, and uh, right now UBC is at 13 to 5. So what do you think we are going from here? Um, and uh, it's kind of like um, something to look out in the future? Uh, For the team, what are we looking forward to? Uh, I think we're looking forward to a strong finish to the season. Obviously, we have some work to do and uh, some things to learn from this weekend, but it doesn't change anything for us. We knew that this game was going to be tough, but really doesn't doesn't make the end of the season any different for us. We're still looking forward to Ken West playoffs. 
and we know that we need to win our semifinal game to make it to nationals, and that's what we're looking forward to. Yeah, and also uh, in the last couple of years, Serbia has also been one of the best part of this team, but uh, this, uh, tonight we saw there's some flaws in our uh, from our team. What do you think of this? On our serving? Yeah. Yeah, I think we have an aggressive serve um, plan every night, and maybe a little bit of nerves tonight, but it's something that can go really well for us and something that doesn't always work. So um, we're confident in our, in our ability to improve on what we did tonight and we're confident in our ability to win a lot of points with our serve. So as far as that goes, I think nothing changes. We're, we're just looking forward to improving and settling into that. Yes, and last question. Tonight's also the Pride Night. Um, how do you think Pride Night means to you and means to the whole team? Yeah, I think we're uh, super happy to be a part of a community that supports Pride and uh, being partnered with the VGBA uh, for a night like this is really special to us. It's always our biggest crowd of the, of the season and it really shows how much uh, the UBC community and the community in Vancouver support uh, Pride. So it's really good to see and we're really, really proud to be a part of it. Can you explain what is VGBA? The VGBA is the Vancouver Gay Volleyball Association. They uh, operate in Vancouver with beach and grass and court volleyball, and um, the guys out here help out with their evaluations every year, so we're pretty involved with them, and I think one of the alumni of UBC started it, so it's a really cool organization. Thank you so much. Yeah. That was Jordan DeShane of the men's volleyball team speaking after their loss on Saturday night, which was Pride Night for UBC over at War Memorial Gym. Now moving on to basketball, as everyone knew would happen, both basketball teams cruised victory this weekend. Sure, Jake. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, we knew, but still, don't do that kind of stuff. Do you see what it did to volleyball and hockey? Jake, this is on you. <laughs> Collateral damage is not my fault. Uh, they swept McEwen on the road. On the women's side, they took game one, wire to wire, 83-69 to win. Keelan Filowich, dominant as usual, 19 points, 10 rebounds, 4 steals, and 2 blocks. While Jessica Hansen scored 18 points on 7 for 11 shooting. Uh, not to be outdone by Filowich and Hansen, Kate Johnson also had a magnificent performance. She put up 14 points, 7 of 9 shooting, so real high efficiency. She also chipped in 7 assists and a career-high 7 steals. So, you know, she didn't even shoot that frequently from the field in terms of field goals attempted and she nearly put up a triple I mean not nearly but close enough to a triple double and then um, as a team the Thunderbirds shot 51% from the field and forced the Griffins into 27 turnovers they had 18 steals which is the most they've had in a game since February of 2017 and looking at the Griffins interestingly interestingly they did shoot 49% from the field and 47% from three but they did have a lot fewer shot attempts due to so many turnovers. Yeah, game two, another double-digit win. Thunderbirds took it 75-58. to 58. Hansen scored 27 points on 11 of 17 Damn, shooting. Damn, Hansen! That was just one point off her career high. She's been scoring a lot more recently. While Filowich again double-doubled, 21 points on an incredible... Uh, 9 for 11 shooting and 10 rebounds. And I think Hansen, in a way, you know, with Maddie Penn, she had to step away a long time for back injuries, and it's been kind of hard for her to get back into the rhythm of things. Hansen stepped up in a big way as a veteran leader on this team. And I know roles have changed to a degree, too. Yeah, she has achieved her final form. Right? Seriously, <laughs> though, I mean, two years ago, we were critiquing Hansen for not being able to put up a consistent field goal percentage. Now she's throwing up 27 points a game. I mean, talk about improvement. 
Yeah, that'll get it done. Uh, this game was actually tied at halftime. Jake McGrail over there was quaking in his boots. But, <laughs> <laughs> Can but, you imagine? <laughs> he would have been off the show permanently. But, 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 UBC did outscore the Griffins 22-8 to in the third, and that blew the game wide open. And then outside of Hanson and Filowich, who shot 20 of 28, the rest of the team, well, they had a pretty dismal performance, just 9 of 36, but they held McEwen to 36% shooting, so things kind of evened out in that regard. And the Thunderbirds' backcourt has seen a shift in their roles. In November, Hansen averaged 12.5 points and 5 assists, and in January is averaging 19.5 points and 3 assists. Meanwhile, Johnson's assist rate has jumped from 4 in November to 6.5 in January, which is second best in Canada West. Yeah, the Thunderbirds have won an impressive 12 of their last 13 games and are currently 14 for 4, fourth in Canada West and matching their total wins from last season. They now, they now have a bye week before playing Winnipeg in the final two games of the regular season. The men's team also destroyed McEwen, dropping over 100 points in both games. Game 1, 104-67, to as the Thunderbirds outscored the Griffins 64-31 to in the second and third quarters. Not exactly a close game. Your prediction was definitely more it, it, correct on that one. The McEwen men's basketball team is very uh, not great. We'll put it <laughs> wow, like that. you're so kind. <laughs> I saw another word about to release its way from the, ba- from the depths of your chest. Yeah, uh, okay. That's the one. Grant Oladu scored 21 points in just 18 minutes. Taylor Brown hit six threes off the bench on his way to a season-high 20 points. And talking about the bench, get this, 10 Thunderbirds scored in this game, five of them in double figures. Shepard had a career-high six assists. Who would have thought? Shepard, the, the man of ball movement. Meanwhile, he had 13 points and six boards, and Kohi and Claire only needed to score a combined 20 points on seven of 12 shooting. Uh, as a team, the Thunderbirds shot 61% from the field and 17 for 29, 59% from three in their best shooting performance of the season. The Griffins shot 39% from the field and just 50% from the free throw line. It's going to be hard to lose when you shoot 60% from the field. Pretty and, pretty good. Yeah, game two was just as smooth as the Thunderbirds won 108-73. to Audu again led the team in scoring with 22 points in 22 minutes. Shepard double-doubled 18 points and a season-high 15 rebounds. And Brown hit another four threes off the bench. It's just, it's just good times for the men's basketball team. Things are rolling. Generally, when you play a bad opponent... Things better be rolling. (laughs) Yeah, collectively, they were unstoppable offensively again. Shot only 56% from the field this time. Pick it up. Yeah. Slackers. Don't know what they're doing out there. 46% from three. Unacceptable. (laughs) Uh, The Griffins, again, shot below 40%, so quite a clear skill divide there. And then two weekends ago when they played Victoria, it was actually, I believe, a Thursday and a Saturday game. Audu scored a combined nine points on four of 12 shooting, so not too great of a performance from him. Fast forward to this past weekend, he scored a combined 43 points on 19 of 23 shooting. What is that in a percentage? Like 85%? I think I think that's just good. Good. We'll just call it good. Good. good Above enough. 80. Do that every weekend, please, Grant. That'd be great. Uh, after Interestingly, after starting the first 16 games of the season, Zach Moore came off the bench both games against McEwen. He was replaced in the starting lineup by Brian Wallach. That's my boy! Jacob is a big fan. I'm of definitely a, yeah. You're a Lincoln Rosebush guy. I'm a big <laughs> Brian Wallach advocate. Yeah, he made his first uh, two career starts. He averaged six points and six rebounds in 12 minutes a game Not over bad. the two games. Okay, that's respectable. And like the women's team, the Thunderbirds are 14 and four, but they now sit in fifth in Canada West. 
due to the fact that every team plays an imbalanced schedule, the RPI, Ratings Percentage Index, metric is used to determine seeding. 12-4 and 4 Victoria currently have a slightly higher score than UBC, putting them in fourth. Yeah, that metric includes strength of schedule to account for the fact that not every you don't play every other team in Canada West. So playing McEwen is not going to do you favors in the RPI indexed. And before we move to add some PSAs on a more, on a more uh, somber note, it's not UBC related, but the basketball world in general was rocked just a couple days ago when Kobe Bryant and eight others were killed in a helicopter crash in California. Now he had a tremendous impact on the NBA and the sport as a whole. Our hearts go out to everyone affected by the crash. Now we will, on that rather sad note, take a break for ads and PSAs, and then we'll come back with some rugby updates from both the men's and women's sides. Fundrive 2020, CITR's annual fundraiser extravaganza, is almost upon us. This year's theme is Crush on CITR. And since we deal primarily in sound around here, we started wondering... What does a crush sound like? Hey, do you want to make out? Let's see here. Uh... Oh. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Oh, everybody. God, this is awful. Isn't there anything? 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 Listening to the radio these days can be distressing. Fortunately, here at CITR, our programmers choose the music that they play, so our charts reflect what people actually listen to. To find out what's really topping the charts, pick up a copy of Discord or Magazine, or check us out online at citr.ca. Unless, of course, you'd rather keep listening to the chart-topping single, Everybody Dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Everybody dance. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. My name is Jacob Ayer, and we just covered some volleyball and basketball for the UBC Thunderbirds. Now we're jumping on over into the world of rugby. The men's team improved to 9-0-1 on, in the men's Premier League with a 22-3 decisive victory over the Vancouver Rowing Club this past weekend. They still sit in first place in the Premier League table. They weren't actually midway through the season, but they've picked things up while Vancouver Rowing Club are still looking for their first victory. Yeah, both the UBC's reserve squads were also victorious on the day, which is good to see. Second team Braves won 51-12 and the third team Totems won 75-10 over Vancouver Rowing Club, and uh, as per usual with men's rugby, we don't know anything else about the games besides that, which is tough. (laughs) Which is tough. It's hard to get information. They're not technically a varsity team. They function as a club, so there's not as much media coverage unless we're there on the pitch with them. But that being said, forwards Alex Chitton, Josh Tweed, Isaac Kelly, and back Matt Persellier were named to the Canadian men's U20 team who will be competing in Portugal in February. So that's very exciting. UBC is a hotbed for... Uh, international or for national rugby talent so five players from our team it's great to hear yeah and the men's team's next match will be another premier league tilt against seventh place seventh place james bay aa four one and three on february 1st in victoria and the women's rugby team they did not play this past weekend but they will be back in action this coming weekend with five matches 
as per usual with these Rugby Sevens series. UBC is actually hosting this one in the first match be up against the Calgary Dinos at the Gerald McGavin Rugby Center. The kickoff slated for the very specific time of 10.34 a.m. Yes. So be there sharp if you want to see is, the first game of the I, day. I double, triple checked. It is 10.34. It's, you know, honestly, it's not that uncommon to have those weird scheduling times. Like, you think about the MLB, for example. Always. A lot of games start at 7.07 p.m. Why? We don't know. Maybe it's for the intros, I'm guessing, for, like, the broadcasters. There's not a good reasoning for this one in my mind. Maybe there is. But if so... We don't know it yet. We apologize for the, you know, kind of uncomfortable 34 instead of 35. <laughs> no, it bothers your ears. Anyhow, we'll look at hockey now and some sad news coming your way in the world of hockey. After taking three of four games last weekend, both of the UBC hockey teams failed to record a victory this past weekend when they took on Saskatchewan. To make matters even worse, all four games were lost in regulation, something that simply cannot happen moving forward with very few games left in the regular season and playoffs looming. We'll look at the women's side first. The women's team were coming off a series split against Manitoba, where they finally managed to resolve some of their goal-scoring issues in the second game. Game one this weekend saw the team continue their goal-scoring ways, but the only issue was that they could not keep the puck out of their net this time, losing 4-3. Game two saw old problems arise once again in the goal-scoring department with a 3-1 Thunderbirds loss. Friday's game was school day at Father Bauer Arena, and that meant that the Thunderbirds were playing in front of 700 very young fans in an afternoon game that started just at 11.30. UBC was able to feed off of that youthful crowd energy, and they quickly jumped out to a 2-0 lead. And it was Mikhail Ogranichuk who opened scoring on the power play for UBC at the 5.14 mark of the opening period. And then less than a minute later, actually, UBC's leading scorer, Hannah Clayton Carroll, I believe a roommate of potential new member to CITR, <laughs> who is yet to be named. Surprise, surprise, get ready in the next week. <laughs> Dropping hints. Dropping hints. Uh, she, Hannah Clayton Carroll managed to beat the Saskatchewan goalie, Jessica Vance. The Huskies came back to tie the game early in the second. Clayton Carroll again scored to restore the lead on the power play. The Huskies again tied it early in the third, and with just 2.24 left, Saskatchewan's Kayla Kerwin scored the game winner. Way to go, UBC, letting down 700 children. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely unfortunate. And UBC came out flying once again in Game 2 and would eventually outshoot Saskatchewan 28-21, to but they could only come up with one goal while the more efficient Huskies got the weekend sweep. Yeah, Saskatchewan opened the scoring on a rebound fairly late into the first. However, the Thunderbirds fought back and tied it midway to the second off a goal from, to the second off a goal from Jaden Cook. The game remained tied heading into the third despite the team's trading power play chances, and it was the Huskies once again who had scored two third-period goals. One just a minute into the period, Huskies goalie Cameron Drever stopped all nine, all nine shots she faced in the third. What this means is that UBC has a big series coming up against Lethbridge. They still sit in sixth in Canada West, but the Pronghorns are only two points behind them for that final playoff spot. And hockey, just to clarify is only six, whereas basketball is top eight, I believe. Basketball is actually 12, and then 12 there's and a wild then, card round. And then volleyball is volleyball the eight. Is eight yeah. Okay, so it's different between every sport due to the amount of teams, I believe, mostly. And speaking of the playoff picture, we'll look at the men's side now. Now, the saving grace for the women is that despite this tough run, they still are barely holding on to the last, last playoff spot. Not the same story for the men. Two losses against the Huskies combined with Regina beating Manitoba twice means the Thunderbirds have now dropped to 7th out of a playoff spot right now. 
and the Thunderbirds were outshot 40-27 to in Game 1, though they did open scoring through Jarrett Tyska. He beat Huskies goalie Taran Kozen early in the first, ending Kozen's 132-minute shutout streak. Well, at least they did something right. <laughs> Unfortunately, then, Saskatchewan scored twice before the first period ended, and though Matt Revel tied it in the second, Levi Cable scored the winner with just over a minute remaining in the game to take it 3-2 to two for the Huskies. Yeah, UBC goalie Ryland Toth made a season-high 37 saves in this one, but it wasn't enough as the Thunderbirds gave up d- double-digit shots on target totals in every single period. And to make matters even worse, I think that that particular game saw a bunch of different chances maybe could have gone the UBC's way but just wasn't to be and looking at game two with a crucial point snatched away at the death in game one the men desperately needed to come away with something in game two sadly they lost five to two in this one so they didn't (laughs) yeah uh 255 into the game Justin Ball opened scoring for Saskatchewan before Cable doubled their lead halfway through the first yeah, the Huskies had an answer both times the Thunderbirds tried to mount a comeback. Carter Popoff made it 2-1 to one late in the first, but the Huskies scored early in the second. Austin Vettel made it 3-2 to two later in the second, but the Huskies scored again just over a minute later. Yeah, UBC's goal scoring then stopped at those two goals, and Sam Rope added insurance for Saskatchewan early in the third, which tied the Thunderbirds' season high for goals allowed with those five they conceded. It's now do or die this weekend as the Thunderbirds have just four games to get themselves back into the playoff picture. The only good news is that they are playing the last place Lethbridge team who have lost eight in a row, so hopefully they can grab a couple wins. Is there a prediction in our midst, Jake? Again, I'm saving it saving it for the end of the show. I got you. Okay, saving it. fair enough. <laughs> some, some anticipation for you all listening. <laughs> We're now going to head down south for some golf updates. While the men's tournament in Bremerton, Washington was cancelled, our women's golf team has returned from hibernation in Phoenix this week for the Ottawa University Arizona Invitational with its very confusing name. While the tournament is still in progress as we speak, uh, our players are out on the course right now, and live scores are nowhere to be found, we'll do our best to give you up-to-date coverage. Yeah, so through one round of the two-day tournament that happened yesterday, UBC does lead the overall team score by just one stroke. They're combined plus 39 compared to plus 40 for Embry-Riddle. And for a team that regularly cruises to victory, the Thunderbirds look like they're going to have to go all the way down to the wire today. Shania Ramandaban is the top individual performer for the Thunderbirds at the moment. She's sitting solo at third at seven over. She's five shot backs of the aforementioned Embry-Riddle. Uh, of Embry-Riddle's Jessica Williams. Kate Johnson is tied for fourth. Quan is tied. Cecil Quan, that is, is tied for sixth. Ju Wen is tied way down there for 20th. And Kate Choi is just uh, in 23rd all by herself uh, to round out the squad. And Choi is actually making her T-Birds debut this week in in her rookie season. While this is a great thing for her, it may be a cause of concern that Esther Lee is not participating this week. While Lee has been a bit of a dip compared to the astronomical bar she set after last year, her absence will be pretty painful if it is an extended period. Luckily, Lee will have plenty of time to recover from whatever is going on as the women's golf team does not return to the course again until March 2nd. That's the UC Davis Gunrock Invitational. They'll still be in warm weather in Sacramento. Assuming another tournament of theirs is not canceled, the men's team comes back on February 10th for the Orange County Collegiate Classic, and that's in Coto de Casa, California. 
great accent a b <laughs> i saw a, a tweet it was a video with esther lee practicing so i don't know if there's potentially an injury that she's nursing over i mean some of it might have to do with her play yes but i think there was also something that she was coming back from perhaps so hopefully we'll see if we can get some update and it would it would be great to see her return to last year's form yeah looking ahead to the rest of this week as we mentioned just now women's golf they're currently underway we're going to have the final results for the tournament on next week's show on friday hockey teams play lethbridge men's on the road women's at home women's volleyball plays regina at home saturday all three of those games have rematches men's rugby is playing james bay aa in victoria men's field hockey playing west coast kings here in vancouver there's the women's rugby seven series here at home track and field meet in richmond the jerome indoor games there's a swim meet, Pacific Sea Wolves Winter Invitational in Surrey. And then Sunday, continuation of the swimming and continuation of the women's rugby. And now, it is officially time to debut Drum a new roll, please. It is Jake's guarantee of the week. This week, the women's hockey team, they've lost 11 of their last 12 games. They're winning both this weekend wow. to clinch a spot in the playoffs. That there is you go. a guarantee. I am 1-0, 100% undefeated. It's going to happen. I don't know if there's betting lines for Canada West hockey games, <laughs> but throw the money down Put on in UBC. one of those new like MGM-sponsored, you know, league-wide betting tools. Heck yeah. That'd be hilarious. Actually, you know, we should reach out on behalf of Canada West for to MGM, see if we can get something going there. Yes, definitely. You know, pique uh, some interest in the league. I'll work on a theme song for uh, for the segment. So the segment's called Jake's Guarantee of the Jake's Week. Guarantee of the Week. Well, thank you for that. And with Jake's Guarantee of the Week, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories is going ahead and following us on either Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at CITR Sports. Do all of them if you want to be super cool and very involved with us. Next up on CITR is Flower Power Hour at 2 p.m. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jacob Ayer, Jake McGrail, Corey Branson, Nico Roselli, Ryan Alfonso, and both Alan and Byron Wang with the great contributions from Liz Wang and Ben Nelson. We'll catch you next week, Tuesday at 1 to 1.30. And remember to go ahead and check us out on iTunes at Thunderbird Eye. Thank you for tuning in and have a great rest of your day.